You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. listening to Chuck Swindoll on the radio uh, this week, and he made a comment that uh, thought was pretty interesting. He said that uh, the stone was rolled away not so Jesus could get out, but so that they could get in to see that the tomb was empty. And I thought that was a pretty cool statement um, that he made there. And that's really what this morning is all about. It is celebrating the resurrection story. It is just acknowledging that the tomb that once held uh, the Son of God in its grip of death, that that grip of death has been broken, and he was just victorious over sin and death. And I'll never forget the very first night I went away to college in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. I was going to Iowa Wesleyan College. Got all of my stuff moved into my new dorm room and ready to kind of hit the pavement tomorrow for freshman orientation. And during the middle of my very first night there, I was awoken by the sound of this train kind of off in the distance, but I could tell as I laid there, it was getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And as it kind of got closer and closer, you could almost just kind of start to feel a vibration in the room as the train is approaching. I mean, the, the whistle, loud, loud whistle, and I hear the gates kind of coming down by the road where our dorm was, and the bell was dinging on the, on the gate, warning cars. And so I got up, and I looked out my third-story window, not more than 100 yards, and I hadn't noticed this before, but not more than 100 yards was this train track right outside of my dorm room. And the sound was just deafening as this train rolled by. Every night following, sometimes several times during the night, the train would come by and I would just lie there wide awake thinking, I'm never, ever going to have another peaceful night's sleep again. Now, interestingly, after a couple of weeks, I got so used to the sound of that train coming and passing by that it hardly ever woke me up anymore. And I tell you that story because I believe we really face a similar challenge when it comes to the Easter story. And all of us in this room, we've heard the Easter story. We've heard the Christmas story so many times that if we're not careful, it doesn't affect or impact us the way it should be. Sometimes you can hear the story of Easter, the empty grave, he is risen, his victory over sin and death. You can hear that message so many times that it just kind of becomes easy to kind of just sleep right through it. The resurrection story is so incredible and significant for a number of reasons. And so this morning, I want to just kind of offer up three very important, significant reasons why I believe the resurrection story is the story that you, um, it's the greatest, it's the most important story you will ever hear. The first significance of Easter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms to us his identity as the Messiah, God among us in human flesh. Now, the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the dead, again, that empty tomb offers all the proof we need that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. His virgin birth, I mean, that was unique. No one had ever been born of a virgin before. And so Jesus comes into this world in a very, very unique way, born of a virgin, and his name is Emmanuel, and again, it signifies God with us. It's what that word means. His resurrection from the dead. I mean, he comes into the world in a unique way, and he kind of goes out of the world in a very unique way. And his resurrection from the dead confirmed the proclamation of Christmas that Jesus was truly God among us in human flesh. I mean, Jesus staked his identity, his claims, his promises, everything he was, everything he would do, all of it rested upon the foundation of the resurrection, his rising from the dead. Jesus foretold his own death, and he stated the evidence of my identity, he said, to prove to you that I am the Son of God. He said, I will be raised from the dead. I mean, the sign of his authority, his identity, and his power as God among us would be his death and more significantly, his resurrection. In the second chapter of John's gospel, Jesus clears the money changers out of the temple. They had kind of turned the temple into some kind of a flea market, and Jesus goes in there and he drives all of them out. The religious leaders who were among the crowd there that Jesus drove out, they turned to him and they said, hey, if you have this authority from God, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It took 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But by this temple, Jesus meant his body. After Jesus was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that incident, and they remembered what Jesus had said. And they believed both Jesus and the Scriptures. On another occasion in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is teaching, and once again, some religious authorities come up to him, and they said, teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove that you are from God. But Jesus replied, only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Now, in these two separate occasions here in Scripture, they're looking for a miraculous sign. They're looking for proof. They're saying, Jesus, if you're who you say you are, prove it to us. And in both cases, Jesus refers to his death and then his coming back to life as absolute proof of his identity, his position, and his authority as the Messiah, the divine Son of God. And that's partly what this morning 
That's partly what the resurrection is all about. It is the sign, it's the proof that God gives to us to prove who Jesus is who he claimed to be. A couple of weeks ago, Janie and I were in Des Moines and we visited um, the Salisbury House. I don't know if anybody's ever been down there. It's a fascinating tour. If you ever get a chance to go down there, go down there. And we took a guided tour and they took us into the library that Charles Weeks, who built the house, um, had, had collected all of these books. Some of them were first edition books. Charles Dickens. I think that he had a page of the original Gutenberg Bible. I mean, just a phenomenal collection of books. And, and they had a, like a whole case full of, of all kinds of religious books. Um, they had Bibles. They had Korans. They had everything uh, that, that really had to do with religion. And, and the tour guide said that, that, that this man and his wife, that, that they were um, very religious people and said that they really never identified with the religion and said that they really kind of were seekers all of their life. And I was kind of struck by that comment because it's kind of like, man, once you understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ, once you understand, there's, there's no more seeking. You found it, baby. I mean, that's it. You're home. This is the truth. And so I was really fascinated by that. Again, it is the sign, it's the proof that God gives to us that Jesus is who he claimed to be. We don't need to keep looking. We don't need to keep seeking. God is saying to us, if you really want to know, if you're really here this morning and you're seeking and you really want to know, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Did Jesus come from heaven and return to heaven? Is Jesus literally God with us in human flesh? If you really want to know that you can fully put your faith and trust in him, if you really want to know and have that assurance that his death on the cross fully satisfied God's anger and wrath against sin, Jesus said, I will prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I will do what no other man has ever done or ever will do. I will be raised from the dead. Romans 1.4 confirms this. The Apostle Paul wrote, and Jesus Christ our Lord was shown, proven, to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unique to him only? Muhammad can't say that. Confucius can't say that. None of the Hindu gods can say, yeah, we went into death and we came out with a resurrected body. The resurrection is unique to Jesus. The one thing that sets Jesus Christ apart from every other world religion that has ever existed or will ever exist in the future is that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead just as he said he would be. Those who died claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, no matter how long they, uh, are, uh, they died, they are still dead today. Those today and in the future who, who die claiming to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God, they will remain in the grave. The only one who ever went into the grave, died and resurrected, is Jesus Christ. Now let me just tell you what the, what the word resurrection means. When Jesus died, he went into the grave, and he confronted death. I mean, he, he came face to face, toe to toe with death. 
and he overcame death. I mean, he swallowed up death. He killed death, and then he came out of that grave three days later completely victorious over sin. When Jesus came out of that grave, he came out with a body in which physical death was no longer a possibility. That's what resurrection means. Jesus Christ is the first and only one to have been resurrected from the dead, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the greatest confirmation I mean, talk about a unique sign that God would give to us to say, here, you you can know, you you can be guaranteed, you can be assured that this is my chosen one. I'm going to do something for him I've never done for anybody And it's not just going to be one thing. It's going to be multiple things. I'm going to bring him into the world in a unique way. I'm going to cause him to be raised from the dead in a unique way that no other man can ever claim. And it is the one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that separates Christianity from every other world religion. No matter what the critics say, Jesus died. But he is now alive forevermore. He has a body in which death is no longer a possibility. Second impact of Easter in the empty tomb is Jesus Christ conquered and destroyed the power, the finality, and the fear of death. I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 51. I usually kind of say this scripture when I'm doing a a burial at a cemetery. If you've ever been to a funeral that I've done there, and I think a lot of pastors use this because it's just, again, it's, it's a great reminder And Paul says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. How many of you here this morning would like to know a wonderful secret? Yeah. Paul says, we will not all die, but we will all be transformed or changed. He said, it will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died. And I know some of you may be celebrating your first Easter after having a loved one, maybe a spouse or a child or a close friend. I mean, this is, this is a first Easter where, where you can honestly say, man, there's somebody that, that's not here this Easter because of death. And this is so encouraging. He said, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. I always say the most exciting place to be when Jesus Christ comes back again is a cemetery because you're going to see those graves just pop open and the dead are going to rise. And then Paul goes on and says, we who are living, those of us who are still alive, said we will also be changed and transformed. He said, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. You know why you can't see God with a mortal body? It would just melt your flesh. I mean, God is so holy. For us to really be able to take the impact, the fullness of God's presence, we have to have immortal, we have to have resurrected bodies like what Jesus had. And and that's why we've got to all go through this transformation. He says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, that's what Jesus has. He has a body in which it'll never die again. So this scripture will be fulfilled. And we sang this this morning. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God. He gives us the victory over sin and death through our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Again, the victory over sin and death, Paul speaks there, was accomplished when Jesus Christ victoriously rose from the grave. And because of his victory, we who have put our faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we get to share in that victory. Because of his resurrected life, we who believe will also have resurrected lives and bodies just like Jesus. We have overcome death and everything associated with it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why this is a morning of celebration. I told this story before, but it's such a great illustration of what we're talking about here. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Harry Houdini? He was a famous magician, illusionist. He was probably best known as the exceptional escape artist. In 1898, Houdini created what he called the Challenge Handcuffed Act. And Houdini offered to pay out $100 to anyone who could produce or manufacture a pair of handcuffs that he was not able to escape from. Do you realize Houdini never, ever paid out once, and he kind of had the reputation of being the handcuff king. As a matter of fact, Houdini even escaped from a pair of handcuffs at England's famous Scotland Yard. Houdini routinely escaped from being tied up in chairs with 50 feet of rope, uh, with straitjackets, from milk cans filled with water, burglar-proof safes he could get out of, an iron boi broiler, a boiler, a roll-top desk, padded cells. Didn't matter what they put this man in, he could get out of it. On January 1906, Houdini even escaped from one of the death row cells in a Washington prison that actually held the man who assassinated President James Garfield. And again, it seemed no matter what they tried to do to secure this man, he found a way to escape. Then on October 31st, 1926, death got a hold on Houdini and put him in the grave. And he is yet to escape. As a matter of fact, Houdini told his wife, Bess, he said, you know what, honey, if there's any way out of death, I will find it. And he would contact her on the anniversary of his death. And so for 10 years, she kept a light burning over Houdini's portrait and that promise that he would find a way out of death. At the end of those 10 years, his wife finally turned out the light. Death had Houdini, and he could not escape. Death had Jesus Christ in its grip. When he died on the cross and was laid there in the tomb, but unlike Houdini, three days later, Jesus crushed death's power over him, and he rose from the dead to never die again. The good news of Easter is you don't have to try to find a way to escape the grip of death. We have a Savior, a risen Savior, who has accomplished that for all of us. The empty tomb assures us that whatever Jesus accomplished in his resurrection 
We share that by virtue of being his sons and daughters. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.15, Jesus set free those who were slaves all of their lives because of the fear of death. Do you realize that there is a general, universal fear that most of us, if not all of us, kind of share to varying degrees, and that is the fear of death. The fear of death enslaves a lot of people and it makes us uncomfortable. If you don't believe me, the next time you sit down with someone to coffee, look them in the eye and said, let's talk about death. It's not a subject most of us think about, much less talk about, because many of us really do kind of have a fear of death. But you know what? Because of what Jesus Christ did in his resurrection from the dead, it radically changes, it alters the way Christians should think about and approach death. Do you realize for a Christian, death is just a transfer from this life into the next? The question is, can you say that you're not afraid to die because you know for certain where you're going when you do die? This is what Easter is all about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he broke the power of death, and that's why we celebrate. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live forever. Your physical body will die unless Jesus comes again, like Paul talked about there. Your physical body one day is just going to give up, and it's going to die. But it's not going to be the end of you because your spirit, the part that really makes you who you are, that part of you will be alive forever. And the Bible teaches that you have to shed this physical body in order to get the resurrected body. Again, look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture, this promise that God has given us will find its fulfillment. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, grave. Where is your victory? Now, now Paul's kind of, you, you can't hear it in his words, but I just sense Paul's just taunting death here. Oh, oh, death. Oh, big, big, bad death. Where's your sting now? Oh, grave. Where's your victory now? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Again, death has lost its sting. And the grave has been robbed of all of its victory because of what Jesus Christ did when he was raised from the dead. You know what? Because of the empty tomb, I no longer have to fear death because Jesus took death, robbed it, and killed it of all of its destructive power, including the fear that is associated with death. So my prayer this morning is if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you're fearing death, you have nothing to fear. And this morning is just an affirmation because of his resurrection from the dead. We can actually move beyond any fear of death. The third significance of Easter, the empty tomb, is Jesus 
has the power and the authority to declare my sins forgiven and that I am a new creation. I'm brand new in Jesus Christ. You've ever been halfway through a project and wish you could just kind of start it over? I'm not very good with, with you know, home projects. And every time we start a home project, uh, we recently had to rip out the back steps of our, our house. And so our plan was to do it ourselves, my wife and I. We were going to do it ourselves. And so here our, our thinking was, because there were, there were some rotted boards in there, so we thought our thinking was we'll just take one board off and then we'll go and we'll cut a board exactly the same size, and we'll put that back in. And so everything we tear out, we will just replicate that, and we'll put it back in, and we'll, we'll rebuild the stairs. So we kind of got started, and we took the one board off, and we're like, oh, man, there's, there's another rotted board. So we, we tore that rotted board out, and oh, man, there's another rotted board. And so we tore that rotted board out, and I'm not kidding you, I mean, like within an hour, we have got pretty much the whole back steps demolished. And I, I looked at Janie and I just said, we have officially entered the territory that we are way over our heads on this one. So luckily Tim uh, came to our rescue and came and put it all back together uh, much better than we ever would. But you just ever been in a project like that? You just kind of think, what was I thinking? I never should have started this, like painting a house or whatever. I, I think there are people that feel that way about life. They get halfway through life and they think, man, I've made such a mess of it. If I could just go back and do it over. We all have things we wish we hadn't done, things we wish we hadn't said, Thoughts we wish we hadn't thought. We all have regrets. We all have bad things. We all feel guilt. We all feel shame from time to time because of things we do that we know better. We shouldn't do. I was watching some movie on TV not too long ago, one of those detective shows, and they were trying to catch a diamond thief. And towards the end of the movie, the detective caught the guy with the, with the diamonds, solved the case, and when the robber finally admitted that he was the diamond thief, he says, man, I'm glad I don't have to pretend anymore. The guilt was killing me. The tragedy is I know a lot of people like that. They just cannot get on with the present or the future because they're so stuck in the past. Some guilt, some regret, some sinful acts have tied them down. Sometimes it may be just a former relationship and they're letting it maybe mess up their current relationship. They say, I guess I'll just have to live with this the rest of my life. And they're running around with this baggage, this emotional garbage, trying to live life, all the while wondering, why am I not happy? Colossians 2.14, it's the good news. It's the best news. He has forgiven all our sin and canceled every record of the debt we owe. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. We did that on Friday, if you were here for the Good Friday service. When Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin, your guilt, your shame, everything that separates you from God or thinks separates you from God, he took it all to the cross. And when he died, he canceled every debt of sin. 
and his resurrection from the dead was proof that God accepted Jesus' payment on your behalf. This is God's pardon program. He says, I just, I nailed all of your sin, all of your debt. He said, I just, I, I took it all to the cross. I nailed it and left it there. Jesus paid for our sin, our guilt, our shame. And that means we don't have to pay for it. He was hung up for our hang-ups, folks. Every year, I, I'm, I'm amazed to see on websites, you'll see people in, um, sometimes in the Philippines, other countries where they will actually go and nail themselves, I mean literally nail themselves to a cross because of their sins. They're punishing themselves for their sin. Well, the good news of the gospel is we don't have to punish ourselves because Jesus took our punishment upon himself. And when he went to the cross, he bore your sin and my sin. And he wants to forgive your past. He says he wants to cancel every record of all of the debts you owe. Those are emotional debts, relational debts, sins, all of it canceled, paid for. How long do you remember a bill that's been paid? I don't really remember them at all. I dread the ones that are yet to be paid, but the ones that are paid, I don't really even think about those anymore. They're done. I forget it. And I think that's the point of what he's saying. Once God's forgiven your sin, you can forget it. You can move on. You can be free of that condemnation, that guilt, that shame, whatever, whatever you're feeling as a result of that sin. You can be free from that. And that's good news. Because Jesus is who he said he was because of his victory over sin and death. Again, our past, no matter how tainted and ugly our past is, all of that can be forgiven. We don't have to carry a load of guilt around. It is unnecessary. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law, the penalty of sin and death. Those of you who are baby boomers, uh, remember when you were growing up, how many of you had an Etch-a-Sketch? Yeah, I think all of us probably had at least like five of those, right? They get broke. You know what? If you messed up, you just kind of shook it, and it was gone. There would be a clean slate. There's an Etch-a-Sketch. Did you know that there's, there is God's Etch-a-Sketch verse in the Bible? He says, I want to wipe it clean. You can walk out of here today knowing that every single thing you've done wrong up until this point can just be completely wiped away. That's the good news. That's news I can use. No condemnation. You know, Jesus did not come to rub your sin in your face. Jesus came to rub it out. He said in John 3.17, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. 
He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to give you a new beginning. He wants to give you a clear, a clean conscience. That's why Jesus came. It's why he lived. It's why he died. It's why he rose again. This is what Easter is all about. Because of the empty tomb, we don't have to have empty lives. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus. Acts 2.21, Romans 10.13 says, And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord is Jesus, said everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you got to do is just call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to just close with this scripture verse. Romans 10, 9, said if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. That's just those three words, Jesus as Lord. If you will just verbalize those words. Scripture says elsewhere that, that you can only say Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God enables you to be able to just speak that phrase, Jesus is Lord. Lord. So that's the first part. If you just confess that with your mouth, that Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Isn't that what this morning's all about? Notice it doesn't say that you got to believe that Jesus died for your sins. It's good theology. It's true. It's biblical. But notice what Paul says. It's not that he died for your sins. you got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that he has the resurrection life. And he says, you will be saved. Those two things, make that confession with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God. Raise him from the dead. You will be saved. That's how you call upon the Lord. Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Lord over me, over my life. And I believe in my heart that, God, you raised him powerfully, raised him from the dead. And in that comes salvation. Because Paul goes on to say, for with the heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness. Do you realize when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, do you want to know what that results in? Righteousness. When you believe that in your heart, Paul's saying the thing that happens in you is you have the righteousness of God in you. That means you're in right standing with God when you believe that, that, that he raised Jesus from the dead. I am righteous. I am in right standing with my heavenly Father through that belief in my heart. That's what the scripture says. And he says, and when with the mouth, he confesses. When you make that confession, Jesus is Lord, with your mouth, it has the power. It results in, it manifests in salvation. Man, that is like one of the most powerful scriptures because it, of the fruit that it can bear in your life. If you've never, ever done that this morning, ever just said, Jesus as Lord Jesus is Lord, and just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you've never, ever done that, you can do that this morning. 
and you can walk out of here a brand new creation in Christ. This could be the best Easter of your life. Amen? Let's just stand this morning, invite the worship team to come back up. Father, I just thank you so much again for the power of the empty tomb. I thank you for the witness. I thank you again, Father, that you really desire to bring this truth fresh and powerful, God, to those of us who have been walking with you for many, many years, God. I, I don't want it to be like that train where I just get used to the sound of it. I just get used to the story. And that, God, it loses its power, its impact, its significance. So, God, I just ask this morning, God, for those of us who are sons and daughters, God, would you please, just by your Holy Spirit, God, just bring a freshness just bring a, a newness to the resurrection story upon our hearts this morning, God. That it would just cause us to rejoice even greater and in deeper ways, Father. We just thank you for, again, that witness, the power of the empty tomb. Father, I pray for people here this morning that, God, that really do not understand the power of the empty grave, the resurrected Christ. And Father, I just pray this morning just by the power of your Holy Spirit present in this place that God, maybe you're opening hearts for maybe the first time. That maybe people are here who really never really understood what it means to be a follower of Christ. And God, maybe this morning as they are hearing what is being shared up here this morning through the worship, through the teaching, through the word this morning, God, that, that maybe you're moving and opening hearts that would be able to say through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning for the first time in their life, Jesus as Lord, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. He has come not to condemn me, but to save me. And God, I need to be saved this morning. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you again would just move upon their hearts, that God, you would also help them to believe that you raised your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, and in that, that that would result in righteousness. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, that I believe you're moving by the power the presence of your Holy Spirit to bring that belief in the heart, that confession of the mouth together in this moment. And God, in this moment, for those who have never done that, that God, they would know that they know that they know that they're born again, that they're saved, that they're forgiven, their debts have been canceled, they are a brand new creation in Christ. There is no more condemnation, only celebration. And so... This morning, if there's anybody here and you've never, ever done that, you've never, ever made that confession with your mouth, you've never, ever believed in your heart that God did raise Jesus from the dead, and that's what we're here about this morning. If you've never, ever done that, I would just ask that you just slip your hand up just to let me know that you're here this morning, that God is touching you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come forward. This isn't about embarrassing you, but you're just here this morning to say, you know what, Pastor, I've never, ever done that. And this morning, I do 
make that confession with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I do believe that God raised him from the dead. If that's you this morning, I just want you just to slip your hand up. You can put it back down. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for those people that are making those decisions of faith this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to bring insight and revelation. God, that you would use your word to teach them and to lead them into deeper truths concerning who you are, your plans for their lives. And Father, we just thank you for your power, your presence here this morning. Again, we thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.